Thanks for joining us for this special episode of the Relate Podcast. I'm your host, Casey Sunstead, and this is the last episode in our third season, Getting What You Really Want, From Disappointment to Deeper Connection. And we tried something we've never attempted before on the Relate Podcast. We had a live audience. What I loved about the experience was having our listeners in the room, joining the conversation with us. Thanks so much again to everyone who came out and a special thank you to Albert Tate, who was our special guest. We had a blast recording this episode, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Good evening. Welcome to the Relate Podcast live recording. We've never done this before, and we're so glad you decided to join us tonight. I'm Casey Sunstead, and I am the host of the Relate Podcast. And I'm Katie Franzen. So for those of you who have listened to the Relate podcast, I was on season two. And we're just really excited to be here with you guys tonight. So on the Relate podcast, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. (laughs) We get curious on the Relate podcast about how we relate with ourselves, God, and others. And we are just excited tonight to be jumping into asking the question, how do we navigate awkward conversations or interactions at the holidays? So as you can see, tonight we made a theme of kind of mashing together all the holidays that are about to come upon us. We're calling it Christmas giving. Tonight, you guys are going to be a part of our conversation. Normally on the podcast, it's just a few of us and we're talking to each other, but tonight we have some interactive elements planned and we want you to join the conversation with us tonight. So get ready. Yeah. So we're actually going to have a couple of opportunities for you guys to interact with those of us who are on stage, which we're really excited about. So we'll have a little opportunity earlier in the podcast to talk about some of your favorite traditions. And then later, we're going to have some time to do some Q&A. Tonight, we are recording an episode of the Relate podcast. Now, I know some of you have walked in, so we do have some podcast listeners here. I'm the host of the Relate podcast, but I want to introduce you to some of the other people who help us. My friend and producer, Jenny Potter, is here. She's in the booth. And then this is at the time where I'm going to invite my actual podcast guests up on stage. So Deb Schertz has been part of this whole season. And Albert Tate, you guys, welcome Albert. He just flew in from California. I feel bad about the weather. We have pie. Yes, we do. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Y'all good? Okay, so did you guys say cookie or sweet potato or pumpkin? Well, culturally, (laughs) black people eat sweet potato pie. This is what white people do, too. I grew up on sweet potato pie. Yes. Well, we're talking in stereotypes. We're not talking about anything literal. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, just generalizations. Never, never, I never even tasted pumpkin pie. You haven't? People are so frustrated with me. But when you taste sweet potato pie... You, there's no need to taste anything else. Like, it is just... And so you do like the sweet potato pie? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's everything. It's my favorite. I would yeah. like you at some point tonight to the, try the sweet potato pie and tell me if it's good. It's legitimate. Potato. You yeah. don't want me to yeah. do it. I'm from Mississippi. You don't want me to be critiquing. <laughs> I don't want to... 
I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Okay, it's good. okay. It's I didn't bake it. And I have sweet potato pie here, but I don't have a fork, so I'm in Oh, you trouble. can use this. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm drinking yeah. my calories tonight. Uh, okay, okay. This is full of sugar, so I'm just going to drink this. Yeah. Okay, so you guys... Help us know you a little bit. We say on the podcast, I say, what do we need to know about you to know you? So give us the, the details about who you are. All right. I am, um, so been married for 17 years. We have four kids, 13, 11, uh, eight, and 17 months. Yeah, tell me about were, were it. Were those like awes yeah. or were those like ooh? Oh, it was I all the above. So. I saw their faces. Okay, good. Um, and that was the same face I make. I, I make it often too. I said, I can't believe mm. we're changing diapers. But anyway, uh, it's been beautiful. Um, our um, our life has just gotten a whole lot more full. I planted a church uh, almost eight years ago, mm. uh, a gospel center, multi ethnic. Uh, intergenerational church in Southern California. Wow. I grew up in Mississippi, met my wife in Mississippi. Um, so why California? Uh, I went to Fuller Seminary, and then I oh. went. I worked at a church, Lake Avenue, right across from Fuller Seminary. And the goal was to just do seminary and leave, but God had other plans. Mm -hmm. So we've been here about 14, we've been in California about 14, 15 years. And I love coming out to Willow and preaching and hanging out and um I, you know i love it during the summer and spring but i also <laughs> you'll also they were, come you need they were now. like they were like albert you have to come in the winter as well if you're going to come you have to come year round i said okay <laughs> so i came and uh, i tried to bring a little sunshine with me but it diffused on the plane right here. It didn't make it all the way. Oh, so, but it's, so it's good because you're wearing your scarf and you're, I got my scarf. you're I got, ready for the Oh, that's cold. the other thing. It's my first time wearing this sweater nice. because, and you know, a sweater. it's 70 degrees at home. So you I couldn't wear it. it. So I get the chance to wear my winter clothes. So I'm always have layers on, not because I'm cold, but just because it's the only time I can wear this stuff. Okay. So tonight we have been in a series on the Relate podcast where we've been talking about what to do with our disappointment in our friendships. When we're in a friendship and we're feeling some disappointment, what do we do with that? And um, we've had a lot of fun talking about our disappointment, <laughs> but learning, like, how do we talk to our friends about what we're experiencing and what feels normal and what, what are some tools that can help me talk to my friends? And so we decided in this last episode of this season, season three, we would kind of take a shift and talk about, okay, now that we've navigated some conversations with our friends, how do we do that at the holidays? And so I don't know if some of you have come here with an idea of, I want, of a tricky situation that you know is coming, or if you just wanted to come and hang out while we did a podcast, but we're thrilled that you're here. So before we dive into some of the awkward, some of the tricky, I just wanted to kind of ask you guys, paint a picture for me. What does it look like for you this time of year? Between now and New Year's, is it like chaos, 17 different Christmases, traveling all over? And like, who do you, who do you guys see at the holidays? Well, usually we join the masses at O'Hare Airport right around Thanksgiving. And we all, my family heads to Texas to visit my extended family. But this year, we're not doing that hustle and bustle. We are staying put in our little yellow house and doing yellow. Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is yellow. Doing Thanksgiving right here. And um, much to my children's dismay because they're used to the tradition of yeah. Thanksgiving in Austin, eating their Mexican food. 
And we're going to have some new traditions this year. Why did y'all decide to, to not go this year? We just decided to stay put. Um, we have some some things going on with some extended family that we just thought would be good to be here. Mm. And I don't know. We're just making the most of it. Good. So for us, uh, Thanksgiving uh, is just a big feast like everyone else, and we're usually at home. Um, now that we have younger kids, most of our family travels here to California instead of us going to Mississippi. Um, and then it's... a uh, you know, the church, so you got Christmas Eve services, you got these special Christmas programs, yeah. you got tons of Christmas parties, so I get to break out some tuxedos and fun little outfits, red pants, and things like that. <laughs> wow. Red pants for you or for the kids? All the above. Nice. Um, wow. All the above. I like to lead by with examples, so uh, I'll put on some red pants, um, but... Once Christmas hits all the way to New Year's, we really slow down and just relax. Mm. Um, have people over, eat a lot of leftovers, uh, visit people that you usually don't have time to catch up with until the holiday season, and uh, we just have an open house. And so we just kind of like to sit around and gather and have sweet fellowship with our family and friends. Love that. Yeah. I think of um, fireplaces at Christmas time. Do people in California, is it, does it get cold enough to Yes, yes. The... Well, we turn the air condition up, and then we turn the fireplace on. That's what I would do. Yes. I, like, cannot have. Get the mood, and then get little blankies and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Last Christmas, we spent the whole Christmas in the pool. We did. And that wasn't even relevant to the point, but I just thought... I just throw that just out there. Just feel bad. rub it in. Yeah. Rub it in. I would so then we run inside to the fireplace. Yeah, because then you're... To, to warm up. Yeah. yeah. They're not uh, getting a white Christmas, though. They're <laughs> no, not, no, we're no. getting the white Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we invite white people over. So <laughs> it's like, this is our white Christmas. It's good. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. So for us at Christmas, um, we have a lot of different family gatherings. We still gather. So we gather with just the four of us, and we gather with all of our parents and cousins. And then we also have even extended family gatherings with that whole nother level with the cousins and the grandmas. So I think I counted one year, and it was like eight different bring oh presents, goodness. bring food Christmases. That's exhausting. I feel tired talking about it. <laughs> but my husband and I both work at the church, and so we um, are both off for a week between the holidays, which is such a blessing. And we get to, I talk a lot about staying in pajamas. That's like my love language. Like if I get to stay in my pajamas past 10 o'clock, it's a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do that. We also do the matching. Y'all do matching pajamas? Yeah, sometimes they're matching, yeah. yes. Yeah, we sometimes do the matching. Footies zip up. Yep, the zip. Yeah. We do all of that. The little, the, what do you call them? Onesies? Yes, onesies. Onesies for adults. Yeah, so we do onesies and we just. Yeah, Rick wears a onesie. Wow. Yeah, and we take a picture and oh yeah, it's a whole thing. No, no, no. Whole thing. If you know my husband, there is no way that that would happen. Not you know, any. I used to complain, but they are actually really, really comfortable. Nice. Oh my goodness. I walk around with onesies throughout all the holidays now. I got a whole. Because they got like cool looking onesies too. You got to shop on online you gotta you, they got cool ones but on my instagram page i'm sure on christmas there is a picture of me somewhere on my page oh, in a we're onesie gonna, we're gonna yeah, go you dive have to dig that. that up but they're really comfortable. they make them like sweat so it feels like a big sweatshirt but it has a zipper it's a onesie i'm all about it check it out guys come on yeah who here has worn a onesie pajamas onesie let me see no no the question is what men have worn a onesie any guys there's not there's one here yes is, is there one no, he oh, can't like, remember. That no. means you didn't do it when you were As a man. As a baby, doesn't count. 
Am I the only man? Am I the only real man in here? All right, brothers, this Christmas, I want to see a onesie movement at Willow, all right? And I want to hear <laughs> testimonies of men walking in onesies in their homes. Oh, it's going to no. be beautiful. Well, one thing I want to hear about from you guys, and then get ready because we want to hear from you as well. In this season of the Relate Podcast, we've been asking, what do you really want? It's one of our key questions. What do you really want out of this relationship? So I want to hear, what do you really want out of the holidays? In other words, it's not Christmas in my house until... Uh, the kids have their gingerbread building war. You guys yes. have like a tradition where you do this every year? Yes, every year. It started when they were little. We had one gingerbread house and they would decorate it. And then that didn't work anymore because it was more like competition. Sibling like, rivalry. Yeah, that's not your roof. That's my roof. And there they are, Chase and Ellie. And so now we buy, we wised up and we bought two separate gingerbread houses and there's still a competition about whose is better, and they submit it to all their social media, you know, people for a vote. (laughs) And it usually is Ellie that wins. And how old are your kids? (laughs) Yeah. How old Um, are they? 19 and 18. Oh, wow. So these are some pretty evolved houses at this point. Yes, they're looking good. We're... Yeah. So, Deb, this year, will they be like, Mom, when can we do it? Or are you like, we're still doing this. Sit down and do your gingerbread house. No, they, they love it. They, they love it. it. Yeah. That's so cool. And we have a few a few extra friends in our house right now, and there will be more competition. <laughs> oh, so. That's awesome. Yes. It gets bigger and better. What about you, Albert? It's not the holidays until... Until we've slept in um, and just lounged around the house. Uh, but I would say until we've... Um, sat in the den and just laughed really hard and really long. Mm. Um, fell asleep on the couch while watching a movie or show um, and waking up and having breakfast together in our pajamas, just sitting around creating moments and memories. So that's what it is. It's about slowing down and just yeah. being with one another. Mm. Yeah, That sounds lovely. Yeah, That's exactly what I need. Um, okay, so... <laughs> I am all about creating traditions, and I started this one a long time ago, and I have a minivan, and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed of it. I love my minivan, and one of the reasons why is because I can shove all the people into the minivan, right? And so my sister lives in the area, and she also has two kids, so the four of them and the four of us every year hop in the minivan, and we do a Christmas light tour, and we go and we find the houses in the neighborhood, And I don't do a lot of things halfway, and so I bought my sister and I hats that light up as well. And those are lights around your minivan too? Yeah, I don't know if you guys have as cool of a minivan as mine, but it has real outlets. And so I put Christmas lights in the, yeah, it's it's obnoxious. And now that I have teenagers, they don't let me turn them on very often. (laughs) Like I don't pick up kids from school with the lights on. Yeah, but this one night, we turned the lights on, and I bought my nephew's gloves that the fingertips light up, and it's like a whole thing, and we, we do some, like, Facebook research, even though I said I was an Instagram person. We did some Facebook research, like, where are the good houses this year? And one year, I did the research, and, like, all the places we went were, like, totally dark. Oh, <laughs> it was the no. worst ever. <laughs> but we do this every year, and I look forward to it, and... It's one of the things that pops in my mind when we say, wow. "At the ho- what is what do you do every year that awesome. signifies the holidays for you?" So, I can picture you doing that. Oh, 
What happened? That's us. There we go. We got a picture. So where am I? I'm standing I'm, up for this. So you got to look. So I'm down there up under up under all of the kids. Oh. So you got to see. So I'm actually in the picture. I'm just over to the side. They're beautiful. So that's us in our Adorable. outfits. There we go. Thanks to the dream team in the back. Thank yeah, you. There you go. for real. We made it happen. I was feeling so left out. I had to adopt white kids uh, who build gingerbread houses all of a sudden. So. Did I not yeah. tell you Jenny makes me better? Like she's back there putting up pictures we didn't send to her. So. Yeah. And so my wife, so this was... We, so we've got another kid that we've got to add to this because my wife is pregnant in this picture and we, we've added another one. Oh, I thought you were announcing something just now. Oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is like a last year's Christmas. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay. Year before last. Yeah. So I've got Katie and Jenny are going to come and man these microphones and I want to hear some stories from you guys. What is it? for you that you know it's Christmas when, or you know you're waiting for this yearly tradition. Share with us. Hi, I'm Esme. Hi. So glad to be here. Um, for us, it's a cultural thing. You know it's Christmas when you start preparing for tamales. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. So you guys yes. make them, homemade tamales? Homemade tamales. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you're a, a female in the home, you need to learn how to make these when you're like, little yeah and so you make everything the filling the dough all of it and from scratch so it's a start the night before and then cook all day kind of thing so that's for us christmas is tamales and it's all the women in the family right together right making yes. it right yes and the men are the ones that go to the store to pick up more of this or more of that or you know <laughs> and the girls are just, the well they're not going to really get stuff they're outside just thanking god that they're yes they made it another Christmas. Exactly. It didn't mess up royally. Exactly. Oh, but if you want extra tamales, then you're going to come in and help. Wash your hands first, though. And it's very beautiful because it's intergenerational, right? It so is. It's a lot of modeling. It's a lot of legacy. It it's is. A, My daughter couldn't have her quinceanera until she learned how to make tamales. And it's one of those things where you cannot get married in our family unless you make Christmas tamales all on your own. Oh, that's oh awesome. that's it's a amazing. it's a beautiful tradition, you guys, and it is it's a beautiful rites of passage. I've come to love it, not just because I love getting the big thing of tamales. Uh, you're welcome. Sunday, <laughs> if you're in town, yeah, I follow you on Instagram. You follow me, so just let me know. It's a beautiful, beautiful tradition. That's so cool. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. We have more stories, even if it's just something that everybody does. So um, I put up my Christmas decorations. Oh on Halloween night at midnight. You do. Wow. That's amazing. Outside? Well, um, I'm originally from Metropolis, Illinois. Does anybody know what that is famous for? <laughs> Superman. So um, most of my family's there, so I go home for the holidays, but you know, um, every year, Thanksgiving, or Halloween night at midnight. So I get the eggnog out, and I have Frank Sinatra playing the Christmas holidays. So, and then I move all my Thanksgiving stuff, because my favorite color is orange, but I still move that to the um, kitchen, my dining room. So I still represent Thanksgiving. I love it. Like it's both holidays at once, just like tonight. <laughs> Christmas giving, right, Katie? That's yes. actually pretty cool. Thanks, miss. Thanks, Miss. Thanks. I like that. That's really cool. I never know when to officially get into the season. I hadn't given myself permission. Because I'm a pastor, thanks, I got to do a Thanksgiving message, so, I'm, so it's hard to get into it before Thanksgiving. But that's a really cool tradition. I really like that. 
So um, every year we make a birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas Eve, and the tradition started when some really good friends of ours had foster children, and Mm. um, they used to host us for Christmas Eve, and it got to be a bit too much when they had these foster kids, so we started having them come to our house, and we had already done the Jesus birthday cake thing before they started coming to us. And then they started coming to us, and it kind of revived the joy of celebrating Jesus' birthday because our kids were a little older. And then we had this two-year-old and this four-year-old coming over to our house. So now to this day, we do Christmas Jesus' birthday cake, and the kids each get to put their own candle, and they put it in all kinds of weird, awkward, awful positions. Oh. <laughs> and then they sing, Happy Birthday, Jesus. My kids are 21 to 26 now, mm. and, they, and their kids too, and we sing, Happy Birthday to Jesus. Oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love how the tradition gets new life when you're inviting new people into it. That's really cool. Mm. Hi. Hi. Um, our Christmas tradition started uh, when my kids were teenagers, And it was kind of a fluke thing. We start, um, and everyone has different opinions about Black Friday shopping. It wasn't really the Black Friday shopping that kind of lured us to the shopping. It was, um, my daughter was probably late teens, and she said she was going to go shopping with some friends. About 3 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from her saying, you know, Mom, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sleeping. Yeah, just like everyone else is. Yes. So she said, "Um, would would you mind um, meeting me at the local mall. She was with some friends with my permission. And um, she said, they're giving away gift cards, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and, and what what appealed to me was just spending time with my daughter, my yeah. teenage daughter. So I, I literally just got ready, picked up coffee and met her. And um, the thing that was interesting, I was a single mom. And I remember that Christmas, she wanted Uggs. And I thought, well, that's a kind of a big ticket item for, yep. you know, for a mom. So I was like trying to figure out how I was going to do it. But long story short, um, I joined her alone. Her friends were shopping. Seven o'clock comes after four hours of talking and just spending time with my daughter. Um, we all get our gift cards. And all of her friends, it was like $25 to $500. My, my daughter's friends all opened $25 gift cards. I was the fifth person in line and I got the $500 gift card. Wow. And I was like, thank you, father, because it wasn't, it was the experience of spending time with my my daughter, but the blessing on top of it. So Hmm. our Christmas tradition starts, um, black, you know, the black Friday from that point on. And, and there's many other things that we do, but just, um, it's grown. We, we invite cousins and we kind of spend the whole night together and just talk and shop. And I know people have different, different opinions about it, but I just like the quality time with the kids. I love that you were the mom who at 3am when your daughter invited you, you you said yes. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Like, so it was, I just, I just, um, appreciate that. The, the quality time really with, with the family. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing your stories. I love that um, this podcast has people in the room who will talk back. So I'm really glad that you guys were willing to share your stories with us. So thanks so much. Okay, so we talked about the, the Christmassy, the holiday. What do you want out of your holidays? But we're actually a podcast where we talk about relationships. And so I think maybe it's about time we go there. So tonight we're going to be talking about what do we want out of the holidays in our relationships. And so when we think about, you guys shared about who you see at the holidays. Um, I see my little family, our 
families of origin and even our extended family. So we see a lot of people. So when you think about, on the podcast we talked about, we in our friendships, we want deeper connection. But that might or might not necessarily be the case as we go to all these family functions, right? Um, when we see uncle, trying to just make up a name. Alan. Alan. Alan? Frederick? Frederick. I don't... Mm. Mm, uncle Freddie. 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 Uncle okay. Freddie. Who is, un- only... who is Uncle Frederick? Thank you. For the record. We when just you call only him see Freddie. Uncle Freddie twice yeah. a year, maybe your goal isn't deeper connection. So when you guys think about seeing the people you see at the holidays, what might a different goal be for you when you think, what do I want out of this time? Hmm. I think it's nice just even for my kids, for the younger members of our extended family, just to be around people of different generations. Um, There was a season where we had great-grandparents, and they aren't with us anymore, but great-grandparents, and then grandparents, and then us, and then kids, and then cousins, and just the richness of, um, although we're not around each other a lot because we live all over the country, a few times a year when they just have this sense of we're part of a much bigger family. So I love just being together, and they also see how different they are, which I think is really yeah. good. It presents some sometimes challenging conversations and situations, but at the same time, it's just good to, to be around and learn to love and care for and have fun with people that may be a lot alike and may be a lot different than they are. I, um, I, it's a time to, to rekindle, I think, to reconnect. Um, and also to see and to be seen. I think it's, it's um, family is an interesting dynamic because they've seen you your whole life. Mm-hmm. So they've seen you in every season. Um, so I think it's good to be seen mm-hmm. by those who know you the most. I love that. So in, in, in some ways we only get together not as often, but you've got friends in your circle who know you in this season of your life. But your family, they've known you through every season. And to bring that to bear and to see that and to see the growth in one another, to see the challenges, to see the origin of some of the challenges, um, to see what you've overcome, and just to be seen and to be acknowledged um, in that way, I think, is um, is something that's unique when family comes, mm-hmm. which can have a bad connotation to it, which I'm sure Deb will get to after a while. She'll she'll take us there, but um, but on the positive side, it's it's cool to somebody be boy. I knew you, you. I changed your diapers. You know what I mean? I knew and that. That's totally what I was thinking too. People yeah. bring that up. Yeah, you changed your diaper. Yeah, that could be one of those awkward conversations. <laughs> we really don't want to hear about you changing my doctor <laughs> anymore. Albert, I love that. I almost got like choked up thinking about that. Like yeah. these people who have seen me, at, like we said, kind of a check-in every, by, you know, two times a year. They've seen me grow. They know my story from the very beginning. Yeah, um, yeah my friends know me now, but yeah. Uncle Freddie, he's known me since Your whole life. my diapers. And they've loved you through it all, usually. I mean, well, there's some some um, some unhealthy, uh, dysfunctional family dynamics that we can talk about. But for the for those of us that have had experiences with our family where they've loved us through awkward moments, they've loved loved us through divorce, uh, they've loved loved us through the loss of loved ones. You look around the room, and there are people that aren't in the room in the room anymore. But we'll st- we're still here together. Um, 
And it's something beautiful and sacred about that. Mm-hmm. That can only happen. That doesn't necessarily happen when the friends get together, unless you've got lifetime friends, and some of us have those in our life as well. But I think even them, they fall in the family category. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. 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 I love that. It makes me think about too. Maybe one of my goals might be to remember. Right. Yeah. So just be together and remember with the people um, we get together. Like I said, with my extended family, and we talk about my grandpa and my grandma who yeah. passed away. Together, we share stories and we laugh. And um, they even, when my kids were small, would bring a book that was from Grandma and Grandpa for the kids, mm-hmm. even though they've since passed away. So that's a good reminder that mm-hmm. one of the reasons we get together is maybe to remember. Okay, so there's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And often in the Relate podcast, we have talked about holding both the beautiful and the broken. Mm-hmm. And so I love that we kind of started this conversation with a lot of beauty, but also sometimes there we do think about the holidays and we think about the awkward situations we're about to walk into. And so Deb, help us. Give us some some thoughts on what do we do when we know we're walking into a situation where we might have an awkward situation. Yes. And I think we can all predict these. Like, I know that I'm going to be asked about my old boyfriend. Now, I've been married 26 years, but every family gathering. Stop it. I'm not kidding. You, they still ask, they, today, yeah, they still yes. ask you about your boyfriends. Yes, about one in particular and how glad they are that I ended up marrying Rick. So oh, this is, oh okay. So, so these not are like, where's that great guy no, who no, got no, away? Not where's that, no, no, no. But it's just funny. It's like every year I'm like, is it really necessary to talk about my old boyfriends? But this is just one of the things I know, and it's helpful. We all have our own unique, you know, just things we walk into in the holidays, and they mean well. But, you know, there's some awkward conversations that happen, and then there's some inappropriate conversations and, and yeah. um, stresses that I think we sometimes um, face when we're with extended family, other friends, and gosh, you put the different generations and college kids that come home that are used to being on their own. Mix all those dynamics, and they're bound to be some challenges over the holidays. Absolutely. And um, in season three of the Relate podcast, we've been talking about how to approach some of these more challenging conversations and we ask what do you what is it that you really want on the other side of that conversation right and so do you think any of the tools that we learned in this season also apply to these awkward family conversations totally and there's some really helpful just pictures I have in my head um, from some of the tools that we talk about and one thing that helps me is just recognizing that any relationship I have, family, friends, no matter how close, there are going to be times where I'm disappointed. On episode three, the one right before this episode, we talked about some guardrails that are helpful. Can you you, um, catch us up to speed with the guardrails? And are these guardrails helpful for maybe some of these difficult, awkward moments? Awkward moments. Yes. So the guardrails that we believe are useful in every conversation are to always be, always to be kind and always be courageous. So yes, like we can actually show up honestly, um, speak clearly, and hold both kindness and courage um, in our conversations and in our relationships. So even when we're disappointed, if we need to um, go to another person, we can be kind, but we can speak clearly and truthfully. 
we have said before that just kindness without courage is kind of cowardly because we don't ever really speak fully about how we feel. And then we're, we don't have the opportunity to draw closer or as close as we could if people really, um, if we would share our hearts more. And then if we only have courage, but we lack kindness, well, we can be really harsh yeah. if we're just calling people on things and not really looking at the whole relationship with kindness and courage. And then I like to add clear as a third guardrail. I know you don't really have three yeah. guardrails. <laughs> it's like Maybe in the middle the clear, of the lane. I, yeah, I don't know. But I also just to, to pre-think conversations that we might have if we're actually um, planning a difficult conversation so that we speak concisely and clearly um, and to the point with kindness and courage. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so as we're thinking about what do I really want, what's really going on here, and then holding both kindness and courage, either of you guys, what comes to mind when you think about applying those to these conversations at the holidays? How is that different? How are they still helpful? What comes to mind? Well, first of all, I think that's, I mean, that's just brilliant. Um, it's a brilliant way to think about that doesn't originate with me. <laughs> we do. I'm tapping into, into no, lots of wisdom that came before. But you had the wisdom to use it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, um, I, I think that's very helpful to think about family dynamics. And, you know, it's levels to this. I think um, on, one, on one hand, if it's just like an awkward conversation or just uh, it's a little uncomfortable. But if it's, if it's creating an anxiety... Mm -hmm. that's robbing you of the joy of the season, to be honest, you don't have to go. I think take a year off and say, you know what? We're doing something different this year. We're not going to be able to come until you can get to a place to where you feel like you can navigate it in a way that's healthy and appropriate for your family. So sometimes I think there's a thing in us where we assume we just have to go every year because we've been there every year and this anxiety rises and this is unhealthy. So one of the things I would say is you don't have to show up. There, there was a season where um, with one family member, they just misbehaved enough times and even after having a conversation where I just said, you know what, I'm not going to put my family in that position and we're just not going to go. And it wasn't punishing them, but it was helping them to see I'm not going to show up and tolerate bad behavior. So when you can prove that you know how to be behave appropriately, I'm going to go. And what I learned was if I had not done that, I am not being the covering and the protection for my family that I'm supposed to be. And... Uh, what was what 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 I was running the risk of beginning to happen was them resenting me and not feeling protected by me. Your own so, family. So it was like, yeah, it was like I my my immediate family was like I'm bringing them into this hurricane, and I'm telling them just to suck it up because for some reason I feel this conviction that we just have to go because we've always gone. One of the most freeing things that ever happened to me in the world was just to be able to say, you know what, I don't have to go. We don't have to go. Let's do something different this year. And then when we go back, we'll say, this is, how, this is how we need this to happen in order for our family to participate at this level and to use your voice. And I think that is 
courage and kindness um, and giving yourself freedom uh, to do that. It, but there's levels, you know what I mean? If, Absolutely. Yeah, if somebody didn't like your dressing and your feelings got hurt, get over yourself, you know what I mean? Or stuffing, y'all call yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, whatever, you know what I mean? But if it's, there are levels. So I, I love engaging and showing up, but showing up in the healthiest version of yourself because you can control that. You can't control how other people show up, but if you can show up, I think, with the guardrails of kindness and truth, no, kindness and courage, and then clarity is the, I think, is the actual train track. I think it's, the, it's, it's what's going. So giving clarity so that I can walk in a room clearly knowing who I am and confident and fulfilling the objective, and that's to have a good time. And if, that, if the opposite happens, I'm confident to move myself out of that situation and say, yeah. no, this is outside of my objective. Your Uncle Freddie's drunk. Uh, we're <laughs> out. You know what I mean? Yep. Or whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I love actually unpacking the word kind too, because kind doesn't just mean like sweetness and niceness. Um, I think actually the most kind thing to whoever it was that you were feeling offended by or were putting up a boundary with. I think that's actually a kind thing to do instead of just letting the problem continue and yeah. perpetuating. You were honest. Yeah. And um, I think that's really kind, actually. I think it's kind not only to the people that you protected, but also, and I, I, have, a, I have some family and friend dynamics that, that have felt similar at times. Yeah. And until I actually will verbally say something and have the courage to say something, I'm not even giving them notice that something's really wrong. Yeah. And so there's no opportunity for change in that relationship if I just keep behaving the same way. Yeah. And so to speak up, sometimes like people exceed our expectations and actually grow and change. Other times, maybe not. And we do need to just keep a boundary. Um, yeah, because at the holidays, I think we... You did a good job, Albert, of identifying the fact that there's levels, right? Yeah. Um, there's, there's the awkward uncle who might always ask you the same question or who might overshare about his own life, and you're like, that's enough, Uncle Freddy. I don't know why it's always Uncle Freddy, but <laughs> um, there's the awkward that we experience at the holidays, but then there is some more offensive or more... Um, yeah, we, we use the term violent when we talk about courage without kindness, right? There's some more, there's some bigger offenses. And so how do we know when it's just Uncle Freddy being Uncle Freddy and when it's time to maybe speak up? Yeah. So I know you have a tool. I do. I think might help us at the holidays when we're trying to figure out, do I, do I say something or is this one of those offenses that I just let go? So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Let me guess, is the tool tequila? Oh, no. Oh, okay. But that just, might be helpful. No, 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 no. Don't let me give you any bad ideas. I was just wondering. I was just thinking. Yeah, we could have lots of tools. Because I was like, this is complicated, but the more tequila you drink, the less complicated it becomes. That and the more you speak up, right? Yeah, right, right, right. That's right. how that works. Or, or speak out, speak, speak splurred, splur, slurred, all, all things. That's <laughs> you slurred your slur. Yeah. yeah, our, well, yeah. So actually, there is. <laughs> never mind. Our okay. kind, <laughs> courageous, our clear factor might clear. be out the window. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So. You lose all. <laughs> I'm courageous, 
nice and clear. So let's let's take that out. Let's. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll forget that recommendation. Let's hear your real talk. Jenny, maybe let's edit that one. <laughs> yeah, erase, erase. Okay, so so it helps me just to have a sequence. I I like to lock in some some simple things that just help me in the moment, and this is one of them. We called it the say something sequence, meaning when do I say something, right? So. Um, We've already identified sometimes it's just kind to let things go. If they stick and they're a small thing, it can be a quick check-in. But sometimes if it's a deeper offense, you might want to use these um, four prompts. The first thing is just to ask, is there a problem? Is there a problem? So if you're in a family interaction and you have young children and you have an aunt instead of an uncle this time. This time it could be the aunt. Yeah, Aunt Mary, and say Aunt Mary is just extremely harsh and condescending with some of the younger children that are around, and that's what you're experiencing. You're experiencing some discomfort. You might ask yourself, is there a problem? What do you think? Yeah, some of us would think, yes, there's a problem there. And so if you answer yes, you go on to, your second, to the second question, okay? Number two, do I have a responsibility? Okay. So I have young children, maybe they're mine, and I have a harsh aunt who's criticizing and, and my children are kind of shriveling up. Do I have a responsibility? Yes. Okay, so we're gonna keep going. Since we answered yes to both of those, we go to third question. Do I know what to do? Do I know what to do? So many people are saying no, we don't know what to do. Okay, well I relate. I've been in a similar situation and I didn't, wasn't sure I knew what to do when I hit this point. So the beauty of this tool is you just give voice to the point that you can say yes. So if I say, is there a problem? Yes, there's a problem. And if that's as far as I know, do I have a responsibility? I'm not sure. There's somebody else's children or they're my children, but it's somebody else's house. Like a, for whatever reason, if there's not clarity, the power of this tool is in just giving voice to what you do feel and know. So if all I know is that there's a problem and I'm uncomfortable, I give voice to that. So to the aunt and my children, I might say, excuse me, I just need to interrupt for a moment, and I have that kind of statement, I need to pause, or I need, can I interrupt you for a second? I feel like there's a problem here. Yeah. That may be all I need to say. I may say, I don't even know if I have a responsibility, but I just need to give voice to the fact that I feel like something is off here. If that's all I say, do you think that aunt, do you think that's going to change the game a little? Yeah. Probably. So yeah. I don't have to be a genius. I'm not a genius in these moments. You don't moments. always have to know what What's that? Needed. You don't always have to have the answer. Yeah, to I don't have to know. know. To or perhaps I am clear that I have a responsibility. So I might just say, you know, or maybe it's a family gathering and the conversation, family and friends at a party, and the conversation goes really um, sour around talking about someone that's not in the room and it just feels kind of like it's toxic. And I ask myself, is there a problem? Yes. Do I have a responsibility? Hmm, I don't know. Well, actually, it's at my house. I think I do have a responsibility. Do I that's know a what good to one. do? That's a good place for us to even just pause for a moment. When you guys think about, okay, is there a problem? Maybe the problem is awkward. Maybe the problem has become more complicated. What are some scenarios where we do have a responsibility, do you think? Albert, do you have something that comes to mind when it's like, 
I'm responsible in that situation to speak up. Yeah, I think it's when you when it's your family, your children, in your home, um, when it is affecting those that are marginalized or voiceless. Um, you have a responsibility, I feel like, to speak up for those that have no voice. Uh, so if it's someone that's not there to speak for themselves, or someone that's there that's young, that feels because of the authority structure that they can't speak for themselves, if it's someone saying something inappropriately about a people group or, uh, or, or different people with different abilities, and it's like, you know what? Yeah, I have a responsibility to speak up on their behalf. I think as followers of Jesus Christ, we've got more responsibility than most everyday people. We don't have the privilege of just minding our own business. That's... We have to mind our father's business. Um, and that puts us in a predicament where we probably should speak up more often than we do. I love that. That's a great reminder for us as we're going into, the, into some unpredictable situations. We have a higher calling and I think even going back to our why before what, it comes, that can be a helpful little tool even in that situation. Because it, all because people matter. Because everyone matters. Because these are also valuable people and children. Like, yeah, because we want to be unified and not have tension at the dinner table over, like, I'm going to ask if we can maybe change the subject. I mean, that takes some courage and kindness, and I may not get it right, but um, I'm kind of learning if I don't speak up, then, then I can be sure that nothing will change. If I, if I give it a shot and try to speak kindly and with courage, and why before what, um, and it doesn't have to be a lot, just using our voices to say there's some discomfort I'm not even sure if I have a responsibility, but I feel compelled to say something, and here's why. It can go a long way. That's good. That's really good. I've, I just got the image of a speed bump. You may not be able to stop it, but you can at least put a speed bump in the conversation. And it puts everyone on notice. Yeah. It, there's it, a problem it, with when you hit, When you hit that first speed bump, everybody's like, whoa, you can't go fast down this street. We've got to be sensitive because there's a speed bump and everyone will feel it. And I feel like injecting that could maybe at least, like you said, incre increase sensitivity and a sense of consciousness in the conversation that probably otherwise wouldn't have been there. That's really good. The fourth, I'm, no, sorry. I will let you get to your fourth, I swear. No, no, no. You are, you I was just going to thank Albert for staying in our metaphor with the speed bump. There you go. With the guardrails. There you got, go. And yeah. Speed bump. It's a thing. And we got a motif. Really a mobile motif yeah. is what we have Yeah, a picture. Here. I'm so. known for mixing our metaphors, so I appreciate <laughs> you, you going with our picture. Okay, Deb, four. So the fourth is, do I have the courage to do it? And what I'm finding is it just takes a little bit of courage. Yeah, like you just. Because I often don't have, like, grandiose courage, but what I've been experiencing in my relationships is just a little teeny bit of courage to say something, to just say, can I just pause this for a second? Like, I feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, I don't have to say much. Yeah. And it can really change the relational dynamic and change the health of the conversation. And it helps others see, gosh, that, that made a difference. And in the past for me, I've felt like, gosh, it's not very kind to embarrass this person 
by correcting them. But actually, like we said before, honesty is kindness. And also, if everyone in the room is feeling the awkwardness, sometimes it's, it's the kind thing to be courageous and speak up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, you guys. This has been a helpful conversation. I hope it's been helpful for you. And what we want to do now is um, we promised at the beginning we would give you some time to text in your questions. And so hopefully some of you have done that. Um, we want to we give some time to do some Q&A. Are you guys up for that? All right. I love All right, it. guys. So our first question here is kind of some of what you guys have already talked about. So how do you best respond to a culturally insensitive comment made by a relative? Yeah, I think just saying, you know, yo, that's not okay. That's not cool. It's not cool to say that. That's, that's inappropriate. Um, if they don't think it is, then express why it is. And usually it's because that's God's creation, that's God's, God's, uh, God's child that's made in the Imago Dei, and you don't get to disregard or disrespect uh, folks like that. And it's, not, um, it's, and it's not that they would be offended if they were here. It's that I'm offended. Mm, because that's such a good distinction. Because I don't want to hear that. It's offensive to me, even though it's not about me. Um, and so you just create a culture that says, yeah, don't do that in my presence. Because our silence says a whole lot in those moments. So I think that's one of those areas where because of who we are and because of who our father is, we are compelled to use our voice because silence has been leveraged and used as a weapon um, in the past. So we've got to break that cycle. Amen. Albert, if the person um, who said that offensive thing didn't hold the same beliefs as you did, would you change your response or no? Like you said, because God made that person or if if they have different beliefs, does that change? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about, she said, if, if someone says something culturally inappropriate, if they said it, we probably obviously don't have the same beliefs in every area because they feel a, comfortable, a comfort yep. to say it. Right. Um, so I'm not calling them to align with me biblically. I'm calling them to align in humanity and recognize that if you expect me to stay in this space and you want to honor and respect me, your comments are disrespectful to me, mm-hmm. even though they're not about me. So if you want me to stay in this space and we hold this space together, we are in this space because we have a mutuality that's kept us here, right? So you're not, you're not sitting with someone or in a room with someone if there's not a mutuality and a respect that's already established and assumed. What we're communicating is, oh, you just violated that. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be clear that in order for us to mutually stay in this space together, um, you can't violate our trust that we have. And that's not based off of a biblical principle. Um, For me it is, but there's just a humanity principle that we just, that we carry. There's just a mutual respect. Um, If I bump into you, I'm gonna say, excuse me. Uh, if I don't, that's a problem. That has nothing to do with my Christian values. It's like, yo, this yep. is how we exist in a society. Yeah. So a part of our existence in a society is me being clear on what's disrespectful to me. And if you disregard human life in a way that's inappropriate or just offensive, then I don't like that around me. Yep. So I'm not going to do this. It's like if someone struck up a cigarette and you're allergic to smoke, you'd say, yo, no. It's not because I'm a Christian. It's because I don't want to go home smelling like smoke. So if somebody strikes up something inappropriate, it's like, yo, 
if I'm going to stay in this space, we can't have that kind of activity going on. Yeah. It's so helpful because um, we were joking about changing the diapers before, but that's who we're talking about. These are the people who have known us forever, and yeah. we have that mutuality, like you said. And yeah. So you've already gained the right to speak up. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, yeah. I was, I, I used to be ten. I'm, I'm 27 now. Yep. Yeah, you you can't pat me on the bottom like that. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> there are other things Go that ahead. you would not do that's inappropriate that you wouldn't even consider doing. Yeah. Being disrespectful regarding culture, no, you can't. Uncle Freddie, you can't do that. And sometimes I think, too, holding up a mirror for each other because we all have blind spots. Yep. And is there hope for a change if we don't hold up a mirror and say, do you realize what you just said? Because I've been around people that were completely clueless about what they just said yep. and how offensive it was. And so, you know, even just holding up that mirror and, and saying, do you realize, like, these, these are people that, that you're talking about that Jesus loves and that our brothers and sisters and like maybe they did realize maybe they didn't but just saying something yeah. and then could have been a blind spot for them and yeah the yeah. kind and courageous thing would be to we can start there help. and yeah. then challenge okay yeah great Katie thank you another all right next question is how can I best respond when someone initiates an awkward conversation in a group setting so everyone's listening or even joining in on the conversation so it's not a one-to-one -one. how do you best do that you know I'm tempted in those situations maybe just to to connect with that person like to uh, to deflect that conversation to a different setting you know if somebody brings up a topic that feels awkward or offline in the middle of a group just to and it and it's inappropriate to be in the group just to say, hey, I'm happy to talk about that. Can we do that after dinner? You know, can you and I talk about that after dinner? Um, oh, I thought you meant deflect like, oh, look at the Christmas tree. Yeah. Isn't that pretty? Or you could just do that. That might even be better. <laughs> how, how about more sweet potatoes? <laughs> no, so maybe, but yeah, just, just taking the conversation to a different setting or if it's really inappropriate completely, just saying, you know, that's just not a helpful conversation for us to have yeah. in this setting, you know. Yeah, I think in that moment, it's, it's, it's good to understand the difference between inappropriate and awkward. Because mm -hmm. I honestly think we use the word awkward a lot. I think... Yeah, awkward is just awkward, and it just might be awkward. Would so you call it awkward? So, awkward so like, okay. in the moment? Yeah, awkward isn't necessarily always bad. Sometimes yeah. an awkward tension will help us navigate something. So everything doesn't have to feel like roses and peaches all the time. I say this because I'm an eight on the Enneagram, and I'm the the guy in the family that initiates the awkward conversation. So I'll say, so what are you guys' thoughts about Trump and the oh, impeachment no. process? And that's you know the conversation I mean? that I say, can we talk about him in a different and way? And that's where I go, Christmas and, tree. And I would be like, I'll be oh, like, yo, no, let's, like, let's talk about it. Let's now. discuss Woo. it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so awkward isn't necessarily bad. Um, some people just are uncomfortable in those situations, but some people are. And sometimes it's fun to have just candid conversations. I don't know. I just feel like we have a generation of people that just avoid awkward like the plague, and they don't want to do anything because it just may get awkward. And we're human. It will get awkward at some point, but no one's ever died from awkwardness. You know what I mean? Like, no one's like, oh, what happened to him, man? It got awkward. He died. <laughs> You, you know what I mean? So Cause of death. Yeah, sometimes awkward. conversations can be awkward, and that's okay. That's why I say it's a difference between 
awkward and inappropriate. Right. Now, if it's inappropriate, or I like the word you use, offline, or kind of like, it's like, no, nah, this shouldn't be, there are children in the room, and you're talking about uh, Donald Trump and the Playboy button. Like, that's, like, okay, that's inappropriate. Let's yeah. let's not do that. Let's not do that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I think discerning those things, but, you know, people relax. Things will get awkward sometimes. Chill. Sit down. Stop looking at the tree. And we Karen, Casey, stop looking at the tree. Turn back around from the tree. No, we're not talking about this later. I've got my tequila right now. We're going to talk about this right now. No. And my mom, wait, my mom is here. Can Albert come to Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's at and, her house, though. So. And, and I th what you, are you about to say? We can disagree. Yeah, we can disagree and we're okay because yes. we're committed to each other. We're family. Amen. We're close friends. Yep. So actually, there are times where our differences make us sharper. We oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can work things out I mean, better. I, the amount of times I've walked away from conversation was like, whoa, that was awkward. And then, you know, let's go get some eggnog. You know what I mean? It's like, it's okay. We're not going to die over an awkward conversation. We will survive. We will survive. And one of the things you said I really appreciated, too, was um, sometimes I'll have the desire to pull them aside and correct them, but then the other people in the room don't know about that that correction. And especially if there's kids, like sometimes it's the, the right thing to correct in front of everyone so that everybody gets on the same page like this isn't okay. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And how you do it in that moment to do it that extends the person dignity and mm -hmm. respect. Exactly. Um, and doesn't perpetuate shame on them. And I usually do that by saying, hey, I, I've i said the same thing. I've made some of the same mistakes or that that's happened to me. I just, I just want to encourage you, since everybody's in the room, I wouldn't say it that way. Or just trying to say it in a way with dignity and honor and respect so that person now doesn't feel shamed yep. in that moment as well. So it's really sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. So we have seven guardrails now. Dignity... Respect. So it, we're working on a book. It'll be okay. a book okay. before we're done. Yeah. Some sort of roadmap, I think, yeah. maybe. There okay. You go. Good job with the motif. Roadmap. <laughs> I'm, Navigational system. I'm working it. I'm working it. Yeah. Well, you guys, I greatly appreciate you just engaging in this, at times, awkward conversation. It got awkward, but nobody died. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. Can we thank Deb and Albert for thank you guys with us so much. tonight? You guys can go sit down. I just have a few announcements for us as we end our evening together. Thanks, you guys, for sending in those um, questions. And I hope that tonight you got some inspiration or some helpful tools as you go in. And we were just thinking if we can each spend time together tonight even thinking about what might happen and how might I address it, we're going to go in with a little more peace to these family um, celebrations and a little bit more intentionality about what we hope to get out of it. And then if you guys came tonight with some people or you wish you were with more people, if you have a desire to get into a group on the Relate podcast, we always say everything is richer in relationships. So if you're looking to up your relational game and you'd like to get in a group, the people here at Willow Creek would love to help you do that. And you can just go to willowcreek.org slash group finder. So we'd love to help you get connected if that's a desire of yours. And then I just wanted to end our night together telling you where we're going next on the Relate podcast. 
season four will release in January. And so we're looking at um, what we always do in January, where we make resolutions and we say, um, I'm going to be a new person this year. And so we're calling it New Year, New You, question mark, right? Why do we do this? Why do we have a desire to be a new person in the new year? And is that even healthy? And if it is healthy, if there are ways that we want to grow, how do people actually grow? How do you make change? How do you go about doing that? So that will be our Relate podcast season four coming out in January. So again, this has been really fun for me. I'm a highly relational person, and so to record a podcast about relationships in a room sort of, you know, just with two other people isn't as much fun as this is. So thank you for coming, and it's been a blast.